0: Oh my God. I literally just spilled tea all down the front of my shirt. I'm supposed to be doing this live webinar tonight. I guess I'm going home at some point, (gasps) but I don't even care because I'm so excited about today's guest and who we are talking to. Oh, you guys, this is a special woman. She is courageous, impossibly humble. So, so sweet. But listen, she is not taking anybody's BS today's guest is nothing short of incredible. Ingrid Nilsson is a woman on a mission to change the world. And let me tell you, I am quite certain she's going to do it. Actually, you know what, she already has. But before we get rolling, our friends at Sage Natural Wellness, who are known for their 100% natural essential oil products, have pulled their favorite clip from the episode so that you can get a little sneak peek. Here is this week's Sage Moment from Ingrid Nilsson.
1: I believe it is your birthright to tell your own story in your own time when you are ready. Life is messy, and at the same time, it's also this glorious unfolding. Tell the story that you are afraid to tell, because your life and the world will only expand because of it.
0: Oh, Ladies, let me tell you, today's conversation is one that I've been waiting to have for a long time. We have a very special guest today. Ingrid Nilsson is a New York City creative and online video personality who has spent 10 years pioneering a new industry that's changed the way media and advertising is consumed. With over 8 million followers, yeah, you heard that right, 8 million followers across her social channels, Ingrid uses her platform to challenge the beauty and wellness industry through informative content and interviews with some of the world's most influential people, including President Obama and Bill and Melinda Gates. Her CoverGirl ambassadorship was the first brand partnership of its kind between a traditional beauty brand and an online personality, and she's gone on to partner with global brands like Amazon, Unilever, and Bare Minerals, ones that we're all familiar with. Ingrid was awarded the Digital Innovator Award by Trevor Live, the Streamy Beauty Channel Award. She was selected for Oprah's Super Soul 100, no big deal, and named a UN Change Ambassador for Gender Equality. We are going to have a conversation today. Grab your tea, pour yourself a glass of wine, whatever you're feeling. Ingrid, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I have a cup of tea here, so I feel really prepared.
0: Yes there really is nothing like a good cup of tea and an amazing conversation. I've actually got half of my tea down my shirt right now, if I'm being honest. I had a little trip (laughs) heading into the recording booth. But um, yeah, it's just mostly sad because I got this new kind called David's Tea Sunny Sea, and it tastes like orange Tic Tacs, which is pretty much the most delicious thing ever. (laughs) So tell me, I'm dying to hear in this world of social media and online marketing and this explosion of beauty brands that we've seen. What does beauty and fashion mean to somebody like you?
1: I love this question. It's one of my favorites because it's something that I think about a lot. And, you know, to me... It means looking in the mirror that day and seeing only yourself in that moment. And to me, that is what beauty is. And that's what really distinguishes personal style from fashion, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I really see fashion as different brands and trends, but I think personal style is so much deeper. And it's really something that only, you know, and that you are in touch with and, So, you know, my personal goal is to wake up and when I look in the mirror that day to feel like myself. So, what can I do for myself that day that's going to make me feel like me today? Mm, And does that change day to day? Yeah. I mean, like today, I have a little bit of a cold. So, I'm wearing a comfy sweatshirt and comfortable pants. But on other days, I may feel like completely doing my hair and dressing in a colorful outfit. And every day really is different. And the more that I sink into that, the more that I'm able to enjoy these different versions of myself that I see happening on a daily basis.
0: Mm. And have you always felt connected to that? Like your ability to tap into what feels right for you, because I feel like that's something that a lot of girls struggle with. And I, I see people, and myself included, um, in certain times looking out towards others for not only inspiration, but guidance as to sort of have, find themselves or what they should be wearing or how they should be doing their makeup. Is that something that always kind of came naturally to you to discover that on your own accord? You know,
1: I really think that this is a rediscovery for me. I think that we all have it when we're young. We all know what's right for us when we're young. We know what we like and what we don't like. And then as we start getting older, and I feel like it happens pretty quickly, you know, by the time you're like 10 years old, 13 years old, you're really picking up on how you think other people think you should behave and the way that other people are dressing. And you're especially as a young woman or a girl, you have probably gotten feedback on the way that you look and maybe compliments on something or not complimented on something that you're wearing. And I think that really affects us as we get older, that external Feedback, especially when it comes to how we look, and it can really put up blinders in terms of what it is that we truly want ourselves. So I feel like a part of my adult existence has been a rediscovery of that younger self and knowing what it is that I want on a deeper level and really being in tune with putting something on and being able to say to myself, hmm, this feels not quite right, or, oh my gosh, this feels really good. And to have the willingness to, you know, sometimes I will go to an event and I won't have makeup on. And that was like a really big thing for me because I always felt that there was this expectation with events that I had to be fully done up and full face of makeup, hair fully done amazing outfit. And, you know, there are times where I'm like, yes, I want to get dressed up. But then there are other times where I'm like, I'd rather wear something that I just I feel comfortable in today. I don't really feel like putting on makeup today. Maybe I'll like swipe on some lipstick, but I, I don't really want to do that much. And now I'm at that point where I'm just like, I will go to event and not have makeup on. And I will feel OK with that because that's what my deeper self is telling me to do that day. And ultimately, that's what feels really good for me. And that's totally what my younger self would have done. My younger self would have been like, well, I don't care what's going on. Like, I want to wear this today. I'm really, yeah, I'm really trying to like, tap into that more.
0: Mm, I love that. And it's such a simple tool, whether you're putting on makeup or putting on an outfit to really take a moment and to consider whether it feels right for you or whether you're doing it for other people or because it's on trend right now. So such a simple way to start to tune into what your own personal style is and how you want to show up in the world in the way that feels best for you. Now, you posted a picture on Instagram last year, and you had no makeup on in the picture, and you had a zit, like not just like a tiny zit, like a zit, <laughs> a real zit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was there. <laughs> it was there. It was. I mean, sometimes you see, like, especially with beauty bloggers, they're like, "Oh, I'm having a breakout today," and you're like, "That's a breakout!" Like, oh god, I, and you feel like. Super shamed about your breakout and what it truly looks like. But you had a zit. Anyways, it was beautiful. It was so refreshing to see that. And what I loved most wasn't so much the picture, but it was the words on the post. And you said, Personally, I've grown to dislike the terms good and bad skin because they come with dangerous consequences. If you have good skin, you feel pressure to maintain this perceived level of perfection. And any blemish, wrinkle, or scar is felt as a personal failure. If you have bad skin you feel like you are less than and the pursuit of good skin can absolutely be exhausting ultimately what these two things have in common is the feeling that we're not good enough so tell me a little bit about your journey with your skin and ultimately the journey with this concept of not being good enough
1: well it's a long one i mean I have really gone through a lot with my skin speaking of zits. I just had another one like that one in that photo over this last weekend and it was incredibly painful. And that's one thing that you like don't see in the photos is like how painful, like physically painful acne and pimples yeah. can be. Um but I yeah. actually got acne when i was in my 20s so a lot of the people that i had grown up with and that i was spending time with like they had had acne in middle school and in high school and they were you know their skin was clearing up and i was just in the midst of getting really intense cystic acne i didn't know what i should be using and i tried everything and I'm mixed race. So my mom is from Thailand, and I'm half Thai. Specifically with Southeast Asian skin, it can be prone to scarring. So my skin is definitely very prone to scarring. I definitely get hyperpigmentation on my face. So any blemish that I had would leave a mark behind. Sometimes I would be left with like a physical dent. In my skin, and I also have had acne on my body where I have permanent scars on my body from that. So I have keloid scars on my chest, my shoulder, my back. And this had such a huge effect on my self esteem because the world around us tells us that acne is bad, and we automatically assume that people who have acne aren't doing enough, like they're not washing their face enough, or they're not using the right products. And there's so much more to acne than just the products that you're using your genetics play a huge role in it, you know, just your hormonal shifts that are happening within your body. And I didn't know any of this, I thought that I was doing something wrong. And it was just about finding the right product out there that would like solve this problem for me and give me clear skin. And I tried so many things that were horrible for my skin, like things that just dried out my skin would give me painful dry patches and spending so much money on these things that ultimately didn't give me what I was looking for, and sometimes made my acne even more irritated. And I think also, you know, when I started making YouTube videos, I was going through this period of cystic acne. And it really made me start to reevaluate my relationship with makeup pretty early on, because I reached this point where I could not get myself to leave the house without a full face of foundation on because I just felt like I was my face was too gross for anyone in the world to see and that people would think that my acne is unprofessional, that I was lazy, that I wasn't clean, whatever. I just felt like they would be looking at my acne and not me. And so I got to a point where I was even showering with makeup on, with foundation on, because I was just so afraid of what I looked like without it. I hated when I would wash my face at the end of the day and see what I really looked like underneath the foundation. And so I went through this process of starting to not wear makeup at home. And on days where I felt like I could do it. And this was really hard, especially at the beginning, because on most days, I was like, I can't do this. This is so scary. I forced myself to go outside and I would just run quick errands that I would normally have a full face of makeup on for. I would run quick errands without any makeup on and just see how that went. The more experiences that I had where I realized, oh, nothing parables happening to me. There might have been some experiences where I felt like people were staring at my acne or whatever, but those were definitely in the minority. And the more time I started spending around people that I was comfortable with without makeup on and realizing that they weren't judging me for my skin and they really wanted to get to know me, I started realizing, oh, There's me underneath all of this. I am worth something underneath all of this makeup, underneath all of my acne. Like, this is who I am. And I don't want to run away from this. And I don't want to be living in fear for the rest of my life around this. And so I started doing that more. And it really just sent me on this journey of experimenting with makeup. And what I learned from that was there were days where I wanted. And needed makeup to just help me be a little bit more gentle with myself on that day. And then there were other times where I was like, I can do this without makeup. I don't want I really don't want to wear makeup today. I don't want to go through the process. I don't want to have the feeling of it on my face. I can do this mm-hmm. thing without makeup. And so I'm really grateful for that experience. And Now, I feel like my skin is going through like a whole new era. Now that I've turned 30, I feel like my body is doing things that it hasn't done before. My periods are different. My skin is doing different things. I'm also living in Four Seasons weather as opposed to living in Los Angeles. So there are shifts happening. And I'm so grateful that I went through that period when I was younger because those tools are once again serving me now.
0: Oh, it sounds like you really have refined the art of turning inward and of really noticing what's working for you and what's not working for you, and and allowing yourself and honoring yourself enough to follow through with that. I'm curious to know, working in this online world, which has exploded since you started when you were much younger, and having this community of millions of young women, I'm sure there's so many positives to it. You've built this booming brand. You have this beautiful platform that allows you to speak about things that really matter to you most. Do you ever find it hard? Have you ever wanted to quit?
1: So I've had fantasies, like when people dream about what it would be like to go off into the woods without a phone and email and just like live life (laughs) off the grid. Like I've I've thought about that and I've wondered what that would be like, but I've never seriously considered quitting the internet for good and completely. Will I stay on YouTube forever? No. Will I stay on Instagram forever? Most likely no, because something else will probably come along. You know, what I've realized is that these platforms are not absolutes for me and they are not where I do my work. I've realized that my work is done offline and the internet is a tool that I use to share my work. And when I made this distinction, it was a huge shift for me because I always thought that I had to be connected to every single moment, answer every single comment, keep up with everyone else in order to be engaged with my work. And now I recognize that That is not true. And it's also just completely exhausting to live life that way. You're just not in Mm -hmm. touch with yourself when you're constantly online, when you're scrolling through what everyone else is doing, when you're just connected online all the time, essentially trying to keep up with and please other people after making that distinction, now when I go online, it's really intentional. I know why I'm there. Maybe it's to reply to some comments, but I'm not pressuring myself to answer every single one. Maybe I'm there to share a post. I'll do whatever I need to do, but then I leave. That is the key for me. It's the leaving part. That is what really... Just opens me up to my work and knowing that all the other work happens offline and that I need to be disconnected in order to do that work makes me feel better about leaving the internet for a moment or a couple days or however long I need in order to do the work that I'm doing. It makes that FOMO feeling go away.
0: Mm, so important to create those boundaries when it is like we have access to the internet 24 seven. It's usually in the palm of our hand in some format, but we know that so many people are struggling with this feeling of being disconnected in many ways in their lives. So I love that analogy of just really leaving that internet. I think Mick Sazon said it in the last episode, but leave the internet, connect with your internet. and it is especially for somebody like you with millions of followers, but I don't care. Actually, even if you have 200 followers or 30 followers, (laughs) our ability to disconnect from that internet world is so, so valuable. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. over in case you didn't know i don't drink a lot of coffee but i am all about my tea like all about it one of my greatest obsessions in life is david's tea because of their selection of over 100 loose leaf teas including so many exclusive blends like carrot cupcake s'more, and pumpkin chai in addition to the more traditional ones Did you hear that, you guys? Pumpkin chai tea. Oh, my God. And the s'more tea actually has little pieces of marshmallow and graham cracker in it. As we head into the cooler months, I'm stocking up, and I really think you should, too. There couldn't be a more beautiful gift to give someone, including your sweet self. And for a limited time, David's Tea is offering you 20% off everything in store and at davidstea.com when you use the code. Raw Beauty 20. That's 20% off everything in store and at davidstea.com when you use the code RAWBeauty20. I'll be over here with my carrot cupcake tea while we get back to the interview with Ingrid. Now, I want to kind of rewind a little bit in your story back to 2015. You created a video that went absolutely viral. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that video and what it means to you?
1: Yes. So that is, I would say, the most personal thing that I've ever posted on the internet. It was my coming out video. And it was a huge personal moment for me because, I mean, this was something that I had been carrying inside of myself since childhood. and. At that time, I was 26 years old. And in that year leading up to my coming out video, I was going through so much. I think life is just hard. And especially your 20s. It's such a weird time. Like you're going through so many changes and feelings. And, um, you know, I was really I was really feeling a lot of tension in my life and what i've learned is that tension was this deeper part of myself telling me like hey you know this about yourself and you're not living your truth i've been dating men up until that point but i had always known that i liked girls when i was younger and that i had crushes on women as i got older and I really gave myself time to come out to myself when I was 25. So in that year leading up to my coming out video, and it took me like, on a whim, just basically reaching this point of I can't take anymore. And I'm going to New York, no one bother me, I got an Airbnb and was in New York City for like, six weeks in this Airbnb. And I started that process of coming out to myself. And, you know, I had a boyfriend at the time that was so amazing. And he still to this day is just one of the best people that I know. And at that time, thinking about having to break up with him was so incredibly scary and terrifying, because I kept you know, telling myself, what are you doing? Like, you have a good life. This person is incredible. Why are you trying to ruin this life that you have like built? And what I realized is that part of this life that was built was not mine anymore. It didn't feel like where I was going. And I really felt like this new path was opening up for myself. And so I came out to myself and I broke up with my boyfriend and that was incredibly hard. And I then started to come out to my friends. And then I went back to my ex-boyfriend and told him, I came out to him. And so I went through this process really privately with people that I loved and cared about in my personal life. And then the step came to tell my online community. And I really did this one for myself to free myself because I wanted to be the one telling my story. And I really wanted to take that into my control. I didn't want anyone else telling my story for me. And two, I wanted to be the one to share this with my community. I felt like this was something that I wanted them to know, especially because I didn't want to be hiding this part of myself. And so it felt natural to tell them that I am a lesbian and I, you know, made this video It was so hard, like setting up for it. I feel like I was just bursting into tears (laughs) like as I was setting Mm, up and sitting down to film it just felt unlike any other video that I had made. And it wasn't until I sat down where I realized, okay, I am going to do this. I'm going to tell this story like I've told it to all of the other people in my life that I care about. That's how I'm gonna tell this story. That's what makes sense to me. And so that's exactly what I did. And the only edits that I made in that video were when I just was crying and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna cut out the part where I'm crying for an extended (laughs) period of time and we can just uh, leave that part out. But those were the only edits I made. And then came time to put it out into the world. And it was incredibly scary. And there were people who didn't want me to put that video out and thought that they were afraid of what would change and that it would negatively impact my life and my career. And I ultimately was I was set in stone. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter to me if brands or companies have an issue with this because if they do, then I don't want to work with them anyway. So that's my standpoint on this. And I was really set in stone and I knew I was going to do this. And I remember uploading the video, making it live, and then I walked away from it because I just, I knew that's what I needed to do. I couldn't sit around and linger and refresh and read comments because I was already so terrified leading up to that moment. All I was in control of was the release. I wasn't in control of how people responded to it. And so once I took care of the work that I could do, I was like, okay. I did this, and now I'm going to go on a road trip with my best friends. <laughs> and so, I <laughs> yeah, I, I had planned a road trip with my best friends to Maine, and we got in a car and drove up to Maine. And I wasn't looking at the video, but my friend Eileen, who was also working with me at the time. Was keeping an eye on it. And at one point, I remember her saying, Oh my God, it has 5 million views. And it was like, you know, a day or two later, something like that. And I was like, What are you talking about? I don't even know how to comprehend this. I don't know what this number is. I don't know what it means. And I knew that something was happening. And this is something that people don't tell you about a video going viral is that it's just weird, because you just can't comprehend how many people that is. Even if you try to think about all the people in like a certain city or whatever, you still can't fully wrap your head around it. And I thought that this video was for me and my community, and not like the rest of the world. I didn't think the rest of the world was going to be picking up on it. So it was quite... Weird and startling for me to take that in. You know, once it started setting in more and Eileen was sending me comments and messages from people, I realized, oh my God, my story is resonating with so many other people. So many people are seeing themselves in this Mm -hmm. story. And I didn't even think about that. Like, I. I wasn't thinking anybody would see themselves in this story. And now I know that there are women who have come up to me who are like in their 40s who have been like, I saw your coming out video and that video resonated with me. And it just was something that I completely did not expect. And I think also really sharp commentary that I saw around my coming out video that I also wasn't thinking about was how I am mixed race. And I had this established career in the beauty industry and that no one else with my following, with my background who looked like me had come out in this way on YouTube before. Mm -hmm. And so it was a moment and That really sat with me. And I think it still sits with me. I remember on my first date with Erica, who's my girlfriend now, these girls came up to me and one of them said, thank you. Your coming out video helped me to come out to my family. And I didn't know that it was going to have that effect on people. I didn't know that my story was going to help other people. And I think that is kind of the point. I think you ultimately help people the most when you're not trying to, and you're just telling your truth.
0: Oh, I mean, you are just so incredible, so courageous, and you have inspired so many people, not just in the LGBTQ community, but outside of that as well. And, there are so many stereotypes that people have about individuals who are gay or lesbians. And I'm lucky that I grew up in a city that is, I feel like it has one of the biggest populations of that specific community. And my aunt is gay and my sister's best friend is gay. And it's just so not a thing for me. But in the, in the recent political climate that we're in, I have felt so much sadness recognizing that there are so many people who don't feel that same way, who aren't necessarily open to it, who, who you know, weren't raised with the same beliefs that love is love is love. And so it is truly a courageous act in that environment to speak your truth, even when you're not sure how other people will accept it. And you're not sure how even the closest people to you will feel. So to have that bravery to show your true colors in all their rainbow glory in that type of environment. It's incredibly powerful, Ingrid. And I'm going to make sure that we include the link to your coming out video. And then also one of my other favorites of yours is the meet my girlfriend video with Erica, where the two of you talk about meeting and connecting. and, And you talk about some of the stereotypes around being a lesbian. I want to break some of those down with you, but I really encourage people to go watch these videos. They're just so beautiful and there is so much love within it, which is all that matters. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, tell me, okay, let's dive into some of the stereotypes that I mentioned. I would love to know, because you talk about coming out to yourself, when you started to figure out, okay, I have a crush on girls, and maybe I have more feelings about them, and I'm thinking about them, did you go through a period of time where you were like, do I fit the box in which society paints a lesbian?
1: Oh, yeah, Totally. like multiple times over. I'm pretty sure it was like an everyday conversation with myself internally. Um, And it's so interesting, too, because the stereotypes are different. So if you're walking around on the street, people have this idea that a lesbian looks like someone who is more masculine in their presentation or more androgynous in their Physical presentation. But in media and on screen, that's not what the assumption is when it comes to a lesbian on screen. When lesbians are on, in TV shows or in film, it's, you know, super feminine, two super feminine women together in some kind of sexual yeah. act. And that's what people expect to see. So it's interesting that the expectations of people are different from, you know, walking around on the street
0: to what we're consuming in media. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the things that I love most about your story and your conversation with Erica is that you talk about the fact that it's so important for there to be a true, clear, real, raw representation of what it means to be a lesbian. And that can look like a lot of different things, right? Like you are this appearance-wise, and I know this is just judging a book by its cover, but this feminine woman, you love makeup and doing hair. Erica is more masculine looking, just like she has shorter hair, doesn't wear as much makeup, as far as I can tell most of the time. But then there's like a million other versions of what it can look like to be a lesbian. So can you tell me some of the maybe other stereotypes or... I'd just like to, I guess, dive deeper into this so that people can break down their own perceptions, I guess, of what it means as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I notice people still saying is the word gaydar. And I personally do not like this term because it implies that you can read someone's identity just by looking at them or judging them by their mannerisms. And I think that this completely plays into a lot of the stereotypes of what gay people look like or how they act. And, you know, most people look at me and assume that I'm straight. And I'm not so clearly their gaydar is not working, um, and you know I just I just don't think that that should be a, a thing. I think there's so much more to a person than trying to like figure out what their orientation is before you even really know them, because a lot of these like assumptions are being made before you even really know someone. And as you get to know someone, more intimate details about their lives start to naturally come out. And I think that's when, you know, these stories can come out. And I think in a way, this like gaydar thing and stereotypes and making assumptions about people is really stealing their story away from them. And that is so harmful to try and tell someone else's story for them. It is not only hurtful to them, but it also just hurts our broader culture to do that. And I think mm. it's so important for people to be able to tell their own stories. And, you know, this this happens to me all the time where people assume that I have a husband or a boyfriend, and the look on their face when I tell them that, I don't. And that I have a girlfriend and that I'm gay. They just have this look of shock for a moment and I let them have that. And then I like see where it goes from there. And it has gone in all sorts of directions. I have been received really well, and people have been really lovely, and I've gotten to know them and really like them. And then I've had instances where I've just been harassed by people, and that really sucks. Mm. I remember it was around my birthday after I had come out, and I was in New York City, New York City, which is, you know, a pretty accepting city where for the most part you can walk down the street and most of the time I'm not going to say all of the time at least for me Erica and I can like walk down the street and people aren't gonna say something weird most of the time there are like the times where strange things happen but I was at a bar with one of my friends and I was talking to this guy and his friend and I just thought we were having a good conversation. And then it turned out that one of the guys was interested in me in a romantic way. And I told him that I'm gay and that I'm not interested. And he got so mad at me. He got so mad that it was just extremely uncomfortable. I felt like, oh my gosh, is my physical safety going to be in danger, especially because his friends were trying to like, hold him back. And I was, like oh my god what is happening here this is this is a really intense reaction for somebody to have and you know he was upset because he thought that I was deceiving him and that I was leading him on and all the blame went on to me and I remember that moment was really it was scary because I was like what is going on and my friend was like what is happening? Thank God we're here together. I was like so grateful that I had a friend with me and I wasn't in it alone. And I felt like I was able to stand up for myself in that moment a little bit because I did feel like potentially my physical safety was in danger. I was like, I don't know if this guy is going to try and follow me. Like I don't know what his deal is. But I did say to him, I'm not here just to look pretty for you and to be here for your pleasure. And for me, that was me saying that I'm a full human being and that men and women can have conversations where they don't have to be sexual or romantic. And like, clearly, that was something that he needed to learn. It wasn't my problem, it was him that had a lot to work on. So, you know, there have been instances like that, where you're just completely surprised, like that happened in New York City, in Williamsburg, like, (laughs) not in like a small town in the middle of America, where people would assume only interactions like this happen there.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's still work to be done. That is very clear. I'm just glad that you recognize that the work to be done in this situation is on his behalf and not yours. Thank you. Next. I know. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, I mean, we're in a very interesting time. I feel like whether you're in a whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whatever it is, in regards to women sort of breaking down these boxes of what it's meant to be a woman, what it's meant to be gay, what it's meant to be a man as well. Because as Mm -hmm. women change their roles, men are having to shift and move and change as well. And I feel like that stirs up a lot of things because a lot of people are very comfortable in the systems that have been put in place and the patriarchy. And, And so when we create change, when we start speaking up, when we question the systems that have been put in place, there are people who are going to get really triggered by that and really angry. And so, you know, it's important, I guess, that we have these conversations and that we create space and have patience for those people who are having a harder time keeping up with where the world is going. It's 2019. Hello. Let's figure this out. So Okay, question for you. If somebody's listening to this right now and they are either not sure if they're gay, they're terrified of coming out, but let's extend that even further. Maybe they don't feel like they're working in the right dr- job, but they're nervous to leave that. Maybe they are afraid to leave a relationship that no longer feels right for them. They're step sitting on the edge where they know that they're not in their truth. That moment right before you went to New York where you were like, I'm at my wit's end. I'm at my breaking point. I've got to do something. What would your advice be for somebody who's in that spot where they know they're not living their truth, but they're so scared to speak up about it?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think we all find ourselves in a moment like that at least once in our lifetime. And most likely it's going to be multiple times throughout our lives. And it's a really painful place to be in. And, you know, what I would say is that I believe it is your birthright to tell your own story in your own time when you are ready. Life is messy. And at the same time, it's also this glorious unfolding. Tell the story that you are afraid to tell because your life and the world will only expand because of it.
0: I love that. That is beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, before we wrap up, before we started recording today, you mentioned that you just turned 30 Mm -hmm. and that you're doing some deep reflective work, the work I call life work. It's not homework, it's not always fun work, but it's life work. So, can you tell me a little bit about what doing the work looks like for you and what this experience has been like?
1: You know, I think that so much of this work is really hard and is really painful. And you're going into these dark corners of your being and you're asking questions. And that is a really heavy place to be in. And so I feel like for me, one of the most important things, especially in this change that I'm going through in so many different ways, turning 30, is allowing myself to play and really engaging with that playful side of myself. And I was at camp for the wing, which is a co-working space that I belong to in New York City. And they have multiple locations around the country. And I believe they're expanding to Canada and other countries as well. But yes, they are. Yeah. They had their yearly camp this last weekend and I felt like it was just so much fun because every activity just allowed you to play. And specifically for me, the tie-dye t shirts that we got to make, I picked up my shirt scrunched it into a ball and was like, I want every color. And I didn't even think about how my shirt was going to (laughs) look. Like, I'm pretty sure I haven't rinsed it out yet, but I looked at it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure my tie dye shirt is a brown blob with some other colors mixed in. (laughs) But the point was that that inner child inside of me wanted to pick up every single color and put it on the shirt. And there was no method. It was just playing and indulging that part of myself. And I think that's so essential, especially when we're doing this really, really hard and intense life work to be balancing it out with that playfulness and to just let ourselves do the things that we would normally tell ourselves that's silly or that's not going to look good or I don't know how that's going to turn out to just do it pick up all the colors and put them on the shirt and who cares what happens.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Let's just stop being so serious about everything. I feel like joy is the tool that we can use to break apart the dark parts. Mm-hmm. And so if you can find things that just make you happy, who cares if they make you money? Who cares if they increase your following? Who cares if it looks good or if you can wear the shirt after Yeah, it? Like you said, just grab the colors and have some freaking fun. Exactly. Oh, Ingrid, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait for more people to get to know this important work that you're doing and the incredible human that you are.
1: Thank you so much it was so wonderful talking to you
0: all right beauties that is it for this episode i swear i could have just kept asking her questions probably for another two days but that would be annoying for her. Anyways, if you want to hear more from Ingrid, please head on over to her Instagram page at Ingrid Nilsen. And of course you can find her on her YouTube channel. We'll link to both of those in the show notes and super exciting. Ingrid just launched her own podcast called one step, which you can find on iTunes. If you liked this episode, please take a screenshot and share it on social media tagging at raw beauty talks. We'll be re your posts every week. And here's an extra little challenge. Copy the link and send it to somebody that you love that could use this important message. Ingrid delivered today. She had so many valuable insights and tricks and tools that you can use in your life. Pass them on and share them with a friend. As we wrap things up, remember, your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back into yourself to see what truly resonates. I can't wait to see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping
1: skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast
0: at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.